they're looking for, they win. Ignore them, you win. Welcome to the Creative Community Podcast, where we discuss the intersection between the arts and Israel. I am Ari Engel, the Director of Creative Community for Peace, and today's guest on the pod is one of Israel's hottest artists, making waves at home and abroad, who's had her songs featured in Apple commercials and played some of the world's biggest music festivals, such as Primavera and South by Southwest, and just released a dope new single, Views. We are excited to welcome Noga Erez and her right-hand man, Ori Russo, to the Creative Community Podcast today. How are you guys holding up? Great. <laughs> I love the introduction. Yeah? Where are you guys right now? Both in Tel Aviv, but different places or, or in the same, same area? We are 100 meters away from each other. Oh, love it. Ori's in the studio. I'm at home. But we, yeah, so it's 100 meters apart. I love it. I love it. Which, which yeah. is very helpful when you're locked at home and you need to make music, right? Exactly. And like we have two, two setups. So one is at home, one is in the studio so we can work separately. And it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like a difficult answer. I mean, question to answer these days, but I feel like we have been able to make the best out of it. Well, you guys are sort of lucky though, because you work together and produce everything in house. So being yeah. locked together in a studio isn't much of a change, right? Yeah. I mean, we have, we have the setup. Yeah, basically, except for everything that, that has been canceled. Yeah. Well, um, how's Tel Aviv in general, by the way? Is it a little bit eerie having the whole city locked down? Like, do you guys venture out and is it just odd and weird or are people out and about again right, right now? Actually, like two, uh, two or three days ago, they, they uh, allow us to, to hang like 500 meters from our house or something like this. And uh, if you say 500 meters, so everyone is like, okay, everything. Going to their parents. So in then you go to Jaffa. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, no, the crazy looked, thing is like, yeah, I mean, it looked like a ghost town up until two days ago and then they kind of a bit like unleashed you know and everyone's like out and about it's absolutely like bizarre and just about music I, some artists have been holding back music i saw haim held back their album um some people like dua lipa released their album and the weekend released their album you guys just released a new single what was the thinking behind that was it let's just get that out there because we have it and don't want it to be old or was it um, anything you know what, what was your thought process actually it was a, a bit before it was like uh, I, I'm not sure that we knew about the corona when I think we filmed the video and then the corona starting to spread like from, yeah, from China I think it wasn't that we, we just like released it uh, and thought the world is normal it was normal I mean, back, I think that like when we released it, it was already like kind of a, a rumor that was going around, but nothing like no one expected it to be that way. And like really up until we were supposed to go and shoot the second video for this campaign in Mexico City, like in mid-March. And we, we still thought we were going and then like 
South by was canceled. And that is when we figured that it's probably worse than what we imagined. So views got to get like a, a good few weeks of being out and being around. And, and then it really actually, you know, hit the fan. I mean, and, and talking about South by you guys, I saw were booked to play Oceaga, Lollapalooza, some massive stages and all of that's yeah. canceled right now. I'm sure that's pretty frustrating. And what, what's like the conversations with management about that and, and your, your agents? I, I, I think, first of all, I think we're pretty good with, um, I don't know, adjusting to new situations. I kind of feel like artists in a way are people who are used to adjusting to, you know, to, to get like news coming all the time and kind of adjusting. So I, I feel like we haven't experienced like real frustration. Obviously we had a lot of opportunities uh, going for us and, and it's, it's a bit of a shame, but I feel like everyone around us, our management and our amazing booking agents that are like co continuing to constantly work as if, we're just about to be out of this situation. Like the, no one's, no one's talking like they have given up or so we're surrounded by really positive people. And I feel like that is, I don't know, a, a very key part of us feeling like this is something that we're going to get through. So your agents are still planning for possible fall tours. Maybe. And mm -hmm. I mean, I know the festivals seem to be canceled, but are they still booking stuff? I think with just today we we got a message that they don't really think that any touring is going to happen in 2020 that they're starting to think about 2021. So it's like every day every day is different. Yeah. Are you going to uh, what are you guys thinking of are you and were you working on an album during this period or are you guys just doing singles? <laughs> we plan to release the album in on September uh because of the touring situation, we thought maybe to postpone it also. And now we are talking about maybe February, right, Noga? Yeah, which is insane. Like the concept is insane. We have a, our, our album is ready right now. So we have a, an album plus worth of songs. And what is, what's crazy about it is ever since this lockdown and everything, um, we've been able to write a bunch of pretty great songs that we all really love. So it seems like the album is or, already changing because of it. And some songs that were supposed to be included are not going to be included. So it affects us creatively as well. And I, yeah, and I feel like we will have to be, I think like The weekend and Dua Lipa are examples for artists that whatever they would do, they would get the attention and so it doesn't we matter. are kind of, right, right. yeah, we have to be more, you know, strategic and careful, I feel. And so we have to be aware of the situation. And yeah, or, or you do like what Anderson Pack did and you have like the Ventura, which is like a certain sound and then like the Oxnard, which is a certain sound. And it's almost like two albums within four or five months of each other. And you're, right. you're just like, honestly, because these days, there's no real like roadmap anymore. It used to be work a single, try to go to radio. Do, now it's Spotify, it's streams, it's Zane Lowe, it's Apple Music. It's, you could do whatever yeah. you want. It's almost like drop an album then in February and then right before you do the tours that are rebooked, you throw a, another summer album. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like that's going to be the case. I kind of feel like we're going to release a couple of albums. <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, I don't know. How, how do you think it affected uh, Anderson Park? 
you know, releasing those two albums. Cause I kind of felt like I gave so much more attention to the first one. And then the second one, I was like, I don't know. Give me it some is, time. It's a lot to consume, right? It yeah. is a lot to consume. There's so much out there. It is almost interesting. And some artists like a Drake's and like what Tupac did back in the day, like a double album. It's like people's attention spans are so short these days. Right. Trying to keep it for that many songs is pretty difficult. But you guys have been being staying busy. I see you guys on on your Instagram. You guys are still playing shows, for, but I guess totally in isolation. Where, where is that? It's in like the, the city still putting on events, right? Because they're not doing that in America. I'm not sure why that's not in America, but it seems like you guys have like the TV stations have a stage where artists can come in and do something, right? Yeah, yeah there are those uh, programs that allow it, like making people happy. So more music <laughs> in the in the mainstream TV. It's always nice. All right, so let's take it back because on this podcast, I also like to talk about where people got their start and where it all began. So, so Noga, you were born in... Cesarea, Cesarea. I always mess up how that's pronounced. What's the proper pronunciation? I, I, they actually call it Caesarea, but Caesarea. Um, I'm way off. Like no, <laughs> but but it's based off the the word Caesar, so it makes sense to call it Caesarea if it's in English. But I wasn't born there. Um, I was born in a place called Atzmon, which is like a part of the Galil part of Israel, way like way up north. So um, so Wikipedia has it totally wrong. Oh yeah, I don't mean, trust what you read I don't know. Internet. Yeah, true. I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read that for a while, but it might say that. <laughs> uh, I, grew, I thought you grew up running around in like old Roman ruins all day. <laughs> no, I mean it happened pretty early in my in my life, but um, no, I wasn't born there. Where are you from, Ori? I'm from a place called Evan Yehuda. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's closer to Tel Aviv. And it's boring. Yeah. It's, yeah. So you're you're a couple kids from the suburbs, right? From the sticks. So yeah, then, but what are suburbs in Israel anyway? Like, no, is there I, I a know. thing? Is that a thing? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> and then, then you, so Noga, you went to the army, and I saw maybe Wikipedia has this wrong too, because you can't trust them. But you were a military musician. What is a military musician? I don't know if there's a proper name for it in English, but it's basically a military band um, that, um, you know, you have five to six singers on stage singing and, and entertaining soldiers slash, you know, going for tours in Jewish communities around the world. Um, it was like a pretty prestigious place to be in the army. It's like no, no one has experienced that. It's very, very rare. But um, I got to sing and sometimes dance <laughs> for my job in the army. Yeah, that's not too bad. It was bad. crazy. Or yeah. did you go to the army as well? Yep, I was a sound guy. You, so you, bo you guys both did music. That, that's not bad. Yeah. Someone yeah. listening to this podcast might think, might think, wow, like the IDF is like the coolest place, the coolest place to be. Yeah. No, you guys yeah. were fortunate to 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 entertain the troops, I guess. But that's that's still pretty interesting that they have yeah. that. So you were singing. It's a very or old you... school. Yeah, it's a super old school concept. I feel I feel like it's a it's early. I don't know World War One concept that you would have like bands um, with pretty 
pretty female singers, you know, singing and dancing for the soldiers. There's something pretty chauvinistic, I feel, about that. And Right? That's and like old school like, Vietnam movies where they, like, fly in, yeah. like, the Playmates and, you know, Bob yeah. Hope. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Was it like that? It. Was it like that or no? Um, <laughs> I'm assuming not ways, like that. It was. It, it was in ways like like sometimes I I feel like first of all I feel like when when I got accepted to it out of you know thousands of people who went to audition when when I did that I swear and I'm and I'm being honest and telling the truth right now I was not a very good singer I was actually at my very start and I didn't I didn't really pay much attention to to those things those days but um you know they were looking for a certain look um and i feel like that is what got me in there but i it, i was really really lucky that that happened to me but yeah if you're asking yeah they, like the entire band was like really tall skinny pretty girls and and it was yeah it was very very weird but you know the weird parts of it were were not were more like when it had to be like performing to soldiers right around the time when they are basically off to do some kind of weird stuff right yeah. after you know like going to gaza or that would happen every now and then and that was very absurd like very weird i mean it's such a different sort of lifestyle like kids here in america where i'm recording or in the uk they're partying in college while you guys go to the army which it's interesting too, because artists, I mean, you're almost at, I mean, at the age of, you know, 1920, you're creative and you're being creative and you're almost, a lot of people are starting their music careers. So what were you, were you, were you thinking of like what you want to do as an artist back then? Or was it just like, let me get through the military service, let me do this and we'll figure it out afterwards. I mean, for me, it kind of, um, that it really helped me under, understand that. I think, I think Ori was kind of different, but for me, I didn't have any, um, I, I didn't like being a musician always seemed to, to me like a super optimistic dream that, and, and I used to be way more realistic as a person, as a human being, um, which is kind of like a reverse um, process because you're supposed to become more realistic but I just became more and more of a dreamer as I grew up and I continue to be that way and you know being in the army and being around people who are you know proper musicians who dedicate all their time and hours and hours to practicing and to to become to becoming musicians is something that really helped figure out that that's what I want to do yeah and ori what where were you when growing up was it piano guitars what were you yeah, what was your beginnings in music i started uh, with guitar and uh, it's recently we we did like a short uh, movie of showing how we produced views and noga told something like uh, you know that uh, producers, they become producers because they don't know how to play an instrument. <laughs> and, it was, and it was like, she, she was laughing, but it's not, it wasn't that funny. It was the, the real case for me. Like, I, I tried to be really good. And uh, luckily, I wasn't, like, technically, I, I, I couldn't get these fingers do fast things and technical yeah. things. So... <laughs> So I, I got interested more about the production and I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's not, not abnormal, especially in the style of music that you guys do. I mean, Dr. Dre never played an instrument when he was younger and he's probably the greatest hip hop producer ever. 
and yeah. sample and program and use synths. And your guys' stuff is like the sound that you eventually, well, first, how did you guys hook up? Where did you guys first meet before we get into the sound? I was well, the, the, tell the story. <laughs> the, you say a teacher? It was like a teacher? Yeah, a tutor, like for... For Ableton, the software. So who was, who was tutoring who? Oh, nice question. It's nice of you not to assume who was <laughs> teaching who. Yeah. But it was, it was Ori who was uh, my Ableton Live teacher. So that okay. is the software that we're producing music on. And I, had, I, I wanted to take some lessons. And um, yeah, I got a recommendation. And we're, we're not just you know, partners. We're a couple as well nice. so, so it all happened production together. team so uh, so it all oh, happened yeah. at one time or so we're going up again the relationship stuff so it started as ableton <laughs> ableton live tutoring and then yeah. you guys started writing songs and you're like this this while heavily this flirting yeah okay <laughs> so maybe the dating That's, started first uh kind of simultaneously i think no i think it was oh, like right. six months six months of me not wanting to work together because I didn't believe that this could work like this or this you can do both yeah and then we had some kind of project that we that Noga asked me maybe we will try it's just a cover for something let's try and it was really fun and then and then like we started writing songs and suddenly label came in and all is history yeah yeah what what's so what are you guys backgrounds in music though first noga what's your background in music in terms of not playing music but what you grew up listening to i mean i think the, the early the early beginning was whatever was played at home which was mainly heavily based on israeli music mati kaspi yoni rechter all those things uh but also a lot of beatles leonard cohen abba we had a, a, an ABBA CD, so that is like a very heavy influence, and so that was that was my blend. And Ori, what was what was you you listening to when you were growing up? Uh, when I was a child, it was basically pretty similar to Noga. It was also like the Israeli singers. Uh, our, both of our parents uh, liked the same taste, and also like Beatles and stuff. And then. Uh, like high school and stuff, it was more like electronic and uh, dubstep and everything. Like it was really, and also rock. When I was a guitar player, it was like yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, because your guys' sound right now, which you eventually ended up on, I mean, it's amazing alt music, but it's got like it's Bjork meets hip hop meets whatever, like very contemporary pushing boundaries alt music. Billy Eilish before Billy Eilish, right? It's like <laughs> that's that's like a sound you guys were putting out stuff that sounded like that before it's that even that took off. So I mean, toy and dance while you shoot mm-hmm. were like the first two, right? How did uh, how did you guys decide to? Well, a when you landed on those, were you like, okay, we got something here? And then how did you guys put that out with the label or independently? We didn't put anything, any music out before before the label. So what we did before we got signed to City Sling, that is uh, like our label, and they're in Berlin, um, right? Yeah, they're based in Berlin, but they have people um, all over. It's a very small operation and very um, intimate, and but really, really cool and really tight. And 
but but before that we would kind of do stuff like in the studio and film it and post it on youtube and then when that started to take you know people started noticing it is when the label noticed it and before we released anything officially we were signed and um so that was already with them with the uh, city slaying the toy and that's what you shoot and then off the radar and all those singles from the first album yeah most of them were already when they were involved and, and dance with and dance while you shoot was the apple commercial right i mean every single artist is looking to get an apple commercial how, how did you guys get an apple commercial <laughs> on like your first few songs putting out you know but the crazy thing is that that was the apple music commercial and we had another apple um ad for iphone that they took off the radar and and the crazy thing about that is that we were in primavera before we were signed uh, um with like this showcase coming from israel and right before we went there i was like okay it seems like a lot of important like many important people are going to be there and i might as well just try and see if i can contact them and see if they would come to our show so i sent an email to probably like 150 people after narrowing down a lot of them so i had to like really you know totally step do up my style you you said yeah. i love it yeah step up my managing game and then i mean no one no one replied basically besides one person who was um you know the music supervisor of media arts lab that is responsible for apple commercials and then it just kind of rolled from from then on and they have been apple have been generally just really constantly supporting us since day one and they've been great with us and also i mean that's absolutely amazing and then for you talk about primavera and even like south by southwest so who was helping book those? We played Primavera twice. Um, the first time when we were basically anonymous and not signed, it was through um, the international showcase that is happening once a year in Israel. We were not even accepted to that one, which is, that, that's the crazy part about it because we applied, we didn't get accepted. But then because we applied, someone noticed, um, someone noticed us there and then they booked us for, for the, the showcase in Primavera. So that is, I think, how, how it happened. And then I think it's, kind of, it's always sort of a combination of things, but what got us to, to being signed was a random case of luck. So there's this um, American electronic artist um, called Sun Lux. Yeah. And um, he, he came to Israel a few years back and then that is the cover that Ori was talking about. That's the first project that we did together. And then when he came to Israel, there was like a big, you know, project of everyone was like covering his stuff. And the cover that we did together, people went crazy for it. And that is how City Sling discovered us because they were starting to work with them as well. Um, Got it. You know, what's interesting is I was at South Park because I manage bands um, before mm -hmm. taking over here and yeah. one of the the band members he went randomly at midnight or 1 a.m and saw he's like i saw this band sun lux like you've got to go see them we gotta go check them out they're the best thing in south by like they blew my and we went and honestly what's crazy about south by there's probably like 
20 people in the room, right? And they yeah. were probably the best artists I saw at South by. Um, you guys played there, right? Have you played there a couple times or, or once or twice? Once. We played once. It. I mean, how did you guys, what did you, what was your guys' experience like? Enjoyed it and just being out there or just kind of too much? Too Only much. Give it an honest, an honest answer. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Nightmare, right? <laughs> yeah. Sound issues, running from venue to venue. Wow, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everything, the whole, uh, the whole thing. It was like, also, it was at the beginning and no one really knows who you are so it's like you're a fish inside a lot of yeah. venues yeah it's it's yeah. i try and tell a lot of artists when i talk to them that really you shouldn't almost go there until you are something big already um mm. because it is like that it could be or, or it's managing expectations because you got to yeah. go there and, and like sun Lux, like i was just talking about be content that there's 15 people 20 people watching you Although the, the offshoot of that is another band I had, the same thing. It was like they had like 25 people at some random venue on 6th Street, but the head of marketing from Converse happened to be there. And then for the next three years, they got free Converse gear. So it's, uh, it's like crazy. that stuff happens, but it is, it is kind of frustrating. Um, yeah. So, all right. So let's, about, let's talk about the new song. So Views... Um, for people that didn't see that video clip, I, I love the beginning of the story. <laughs> so yeah. briefly, we don't have to go fully into it because people can go to your Instagram and watch that. But give me yeah. the brief rundown of, uh, of how you started that, Ori, and where that came from. What, the, with the boobs part? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had a concept. You had a concept about boobs. And then what happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh... We talked about, uh, we, we saw a lot of pictures with boobs. <laughs> oh, that's because such a random is, story. It's insane. This is what you see. Everyone see a lot of boobs everywhere. On so, Instagram. Uh, We're talking about Instagram. Instagram. We're not talking about yeah, yeah. porn. You have to explain it to people because they don't know. You yeah. translate. Yeah. On it Instagram, wasn't only people Instagram. do post a lot of pictures like that. Yes. Okay, yeah, but not like proper. They hide, they hide the nipples and that makes it yes, okay. Yes, true. And then I told Noga that, uh, yeah, people like boobs because we noticed, like, I think we, we, <laughs> we, we looked at uh, one of the artists that we wanted maybe to, to collaborate with or something. I won't tell her, uh, say her name. And then we saw that the boobs, <laughs> the boobs picture that uh, got uh, a lot more likes, of course. So then we... we <laughs> so you're like, we got to do a song about this. I think I think I just I sang to myself, right? No, it was like people like boobs and nah, nah, nah. no, I, I think it started like with how weird it was to rhyme. I mean, so I think it was basically, if I remember correctly, Ori said, "Wow!" Like, and he said it in Hebrew. He said, "Wow, people like boobs." He said it in Hebrew, and I was like responding in English. Man, that's old news. And then I figured, I think, that it rhymes when you use it, use both sentences in English. And then it became something that Ori was repeating constantly all of the time because that's something that he does. If there's like a rhyme or something, then he would repeat it until it either gets forgotten or it becomes a song. <laughs> and, and then you had a moment of clarity and you said, we're not going to put out a song called 
boobs. Right. <laughs> We're going to find yeah. something else because uh, yeah. that's not a, that's not the way your music rolls, right? So then yeah. you came up with views, I, which I actually, think, yeah. I think that the boobs track that we would put out is like, maybe it was like 10 million views right now but yeah this is just my opinion which which is true maybe that is how you you make you get all the views also right. probably right. the video was different yes yeah probably so then you found you found views which rhymed and then which is very <laughs> smart though because also people like views which is a hundred percent it's almost like the same world of instagram people like yeah. boobs because they want to get views it's almost yeah. like yeah. intertwined. And that's why those people put up those photos because they want views and clicks. And that's yeah. sort of like what our society is right now. Yeah, and that's, I think also we changed the word because we are the kind, like we, we never wanted our tracks to get out. Like we don't want to make you laugh. We, we always take it more dark and serious and and, and we don't want to put out music that is like funny and, and nonsense and stuff like this. So when we thought about views, it, it first it, it rhymed and then we thought about the story and Owen wrote the verses and stuff. So we, it was like a complete concept and we loved it. Yeah. I think it could have been like, because we found a bunch of rhymes. I mean, it's really easy. You go online and then you look what rhymes with boobs and then you get a bunch of options but then we were still looking to find the word that would still connect to what led to the concept of the song in the first place and talking about being serious it almost it is a something serious people are really obsessed with views today and right. i mean they spend their whole day figuring out how to get views which is yeah. social media is an amazing platform because obviously it connects the world but then there's that obsessive side of it which i think your song touches on and quickly it's almost become your most popular song on spotify and shortly it will right yeah yeah and i mean i don't think yeah. that a lot of people really understand because because the lyric is people buy views and i i, I don't even know how many people from the common like are aware that there is this phenomenon of people buying views, purchasing yeah. that number in order to uh, present a success that they don't really own. Uh, but I, I, I do feel like a lot of people can relate to that need to, to show that they are, you know, that they are loved, that they're admired, that people are noticing what they're doing. I, I feel like in a way that this touches you know, something, a need that we have that is far more basic than any um, conversation about social media. It's, it's just, you know, a way, uh, the modern way to, to, seek, um, to seek affection and acceptance. Yeah, and, and then on the artist side, some people buy views because they want to act like they've got a buzz going and create a buzz. And unfortunately, some record label and marketing people aren't smart enough to realize some of that's manufactured and i think i don't know anymore i really don't know yeah, i think i think it's already very hard to fake it yeah like you some a lot of people wants to fake it just for you know just for feeling good i don't know like not only for labels and stuff just for people to look at them and see oh they have well, like one hundred thousand. Uh, followers on Instagram or something like this. But 
I think for the like people who works on it, like major labels and stuff, they already knows exactly how yeah. you can see that it's not fake. And then you got to come with the live show as well. And your guys' live show is mm. when I saw you guys, I thought it was phenomenal. And then you just did the the acoustic. I love how you can sort of take it and have like mm. the full band bigger experience, and then break it down into the new acoustic experience. Yeah, I mean that's the one thing that you cannot fake. That's the one thing I think on stage, and that is why I love the stage so much, and that is why I miss live shows so badly because because that is such a real place, and that is such a real connection between people. That is something that just cannot be um, auto tuned. It can be auto tuned, but I mean you can. It can't be manufactured. Tell. It can't be faked. Yeah it's like stripping it down and you're up there on a stage and it's live and you gotta, you gotta hit it. And the song also now is taking off on TikTok and has yeah. thousands of people using it. Did you guys have any idea of that? Or was that, is that just totally organic and natural? People took that. No, we had no idea. I mean, our manager sent us a message like, dude, like dudes, <laughs> look at TikTok. I've tried I mean, because TikTok for me is still, is still very much a mystery. I like some of the stuff that I see there, but being active there, I, I, I can't um, at the moment. It's just too much for me. So I, I just don't look at it very much. And then, yeah. But it, but it seems like, yeah, people are vibing to the, I don't know. The, well, the views, the views. views also, it's like a word. And it's like Drake put out Tootsie Slide wholly yeah. intentionally of creating a TikTok song. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is, and it seems like artists are doing that now. Like thinking, will this be on TikTok? Because views have had success, are you guys thinking, all right, let's think up of maybe a song on the album that could be like that or absolutely no chance, just do your music? I think sometimes... He like it attracts your mind to to think that way but but you can I, I always look at it like a lot of artists before tiktok uh, thought about other ways to go like to say the right thing to be to be that the song will go viral to say like the exact uh, words and we always we never been that kind of artist so i don't know if we can like think okay let's let's say something like uh, left leg left and then right and then you know it, it's really hard to for us to think that way yeah and and talk and also talking about videos just in general the video for views is awesome and your guys artwork is usually really creative and interesting do you guys do that yourselves or do you have a team you work with or do you guys just seek out certain you know artistic people to work with um so it's it's it, vari it varies with every single project, but so we are very heavily involved with the with the videos. But we've been editing our own videos. Always like a really great video editor. So a bunch of the videos that we've released up until now were made by edited by Ori, and some of them directed by us. And for instance, the views concept is a concept that we wrote and brought to this fantastic director who was able to execute it in like basically the most amazing way possible because the concept was so simple like let's have an endless staircase with people just going up and up and up and and 
you know, it, as, as you go up, the, the social atmosphere just escalates and kind of that was the idea, but he was able to take it. So I think that is always kind of the case that sometimes we would bring the idea, but we would always need to have another creative to feed on that and, and to collaborate on that. And the, the, the artwork for Views was, was just something that we're working with, um, with a designer and um, she, she just came up with a reference and we saw the reference and that was, that was immediately like it clicked. Um, so yeah. And you guys are, I mean, and doing it in the indie way, it's all about sort of hustling and using contacts and connections. Um, it right. seems like every, it seems like you've got good people that are, they obviously clearly love the music. So they want to put visuals to the, the, the sounds that you guys are creating. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll talk about just lastly, just about the Israeli music scene in general. What is the Israeli music scene like these days? I remember when I was there, I lived in Israel for a year in my college days, and that was a time of Alamdi 58, and it was all about like dance music. What's the music scene like for, is it like an alt scene? Is there a rock scene? Is it hip hop? Like what's going on in the Israeli scene these days? I think one, one year ago, it was heavily like, like the entire world, it, it was trap, like going crazy and a lot of new, uh, kids making trap and becoming very successful and uh, I don't know right now I think like like also like the entire world I think that the trap is uh, like gone a bit down and and it's like everything right now like we we can go to before the corona went to a show like a rock show and then a hip-hop show and uh, like right Noga it's the, like very diverse. I kind of feel like Israel is always sort of like um, a small version of what is happening in the US but with with the flavor of it being um, uh, located in the Middle East so you do have some of that sound happening here but because it's such a melting pot I feel I feel like there's a big influence um you know because people here are coming from everywhere and so even if i was i was listening to the bills when i grew up but it, but we you have people who you know are second generation to people who grew up in yemen or morocco and they have totally different influences so that kind of creates a blend that i, I think kind of describes this society in israel in a bigger in a bigger way um which is like there is a heavy influence of the Western world, of the American culture, um, but there's always kind of a, of a weird twist of some, I don't know, Arab juice, some hummus. <laughs> yeah. It's some. music with a little hummus in play. So yeah. also in, in terms of like venues, like in, because people here, you know, especially in America and, and the UK where a lot of people listen to this, they don't hear the scene. It's like you have to play the right venue. Like in LA, it's you play in Echo Park or Silver Lake or Highland Park, and you have to play this specific. Like you have to play the Echo or this venue or that venue. Is there something like that in Tel Aviv? Is it you play in the Florentine or you play at Tetter and there's just a few venues you play at, or is it doesn't make a difference? It makes much difference, but there's very few, and it's very it's very easy to know by the venue that you're performing in the size of artists that you are that is what kind of makes the whole situation so clear to the point that it's like 
it's really hard when when community is so small it's hard to be fake i yeah. think that is what's beautiful about being such a small place and um have everything so uh, compressed and condensed into one place so you have you know the barbie which is like when you get there it seems like there's something going on around you and the, but you know it it jumps from the 500 cap, cap to a thousand and then fifth like 1500 and but it's very easily it's it's easy to see it's it's really easy to see and it's very clear because you don't have three clubs of one one k cap you yeah. have just one, one. <laughs> yeah and, and israel is are there artists very collaborative with each other or is it competitive i think both like everywhere else like i think i i think it really depends on the scene but I think it's kind of like everywhere. People really want to collaborate partly because it helps promote their own music, but also because they love other musicians. But I do feel like maybe because it's such a small universe here and everyone knows everybody else, I think there is a tendency to be very supportive. Yeah, and, also, and also in terms of singing in English versus doing stuff in Hebrew. I mean, your stuff mm. is all in English. Clearly that's with the mindset of having a more global reach. Is that something like, I guess as an artist, are they debating between that? Or do people a lot of times do Hebrew music and English music and see where it leads? Or are you almost forced to say, all right, I want to do English because I want to reach a certain market? I mean, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a technical thing. Obviously, if you make music in Hebrew, you need to know and be aware that, you know, that that is basically, you know, Israel is probably going to be the place that you're going to play that music unless, you know, something very, very weird happens. And, and the sound may be different, that. right? It may be different. What they play in radio is probably slightly different, no? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's still a tendency in the mainstream radio stations not to play too much uh, um israeli music in english it's still kind of a taboo thing um even though it's gradually being more and more accepted but it's kind of like you know we have we have you know rihanna and billy eilish so why do we need you to do the same thing and it's it's always kind of like a weird a weird thought that i have about this like why do i you know need to is that is that even a sentence to sell ice to the eskimos is that a sentence in yeah. english <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that's certainly, that, that's what, well, that's, I thinking what you're talking about, the, the radio stations are thinking, like, they have all this stuff, so why are you going to give us more of that? We already have all these Western artists. Do you, do you guys ever, so, so that's interesting. So there seems to be a little bit of maybe of a lack of support when you're doing music in English from those outlets. It's almost old school thinking that they only, that they have some sort of bias if it's in English, even though it's an Israeli artist. I'm I'm talking about the one big mainstream station and we did get some support from them you know where where it makes sense for them to support us um I do think and honestly that is that is how I think about everything if I make the right song and if the song is a mainstream radio station material they will take the song it doesn't matter that I'm an Israeli that sings in English. Yeah. I mean, I never want to, you know, blame 
anything on any type of system. I mean, I think it, it, it is eventually you can make a lot of excuses, but eventually you need to make the music that will make people relate. Yeah. That includes, you know, the playlist uh, people who are sitting in the mainstream radio station. And then also Jews and Arabs, is there a lot of collaboration in contemporary music? I don't think there's a lot of it happening. I know that um, as, as much as I'm aware, I think, I think I would kind of expect this time to create that and increase that because I feel like people from both sides on the more liberal side of, of each side of the conflict really want to be able to form this connection. And I kind of felt like after the first album, sorry, um, that was one of the, the things that I really wanted to do. I was like, okay, now I'm at a point that what I want to do is, you know, to stand behind what I constantly talk about, which is that music can be a bridge between cultures and can lead to communication between people around the world no matter where they come from and especially if there's something happening a conflict or something some political situation that prevents that very natural communication in in everyday life and then I started seeking that and I felt like it was harder than I've expected yeah um I don't know if I was not trying hard enough or if I felt like at a certain point that I was doing it more for political reasons than for artistic reasons. And I never want to do that, you know, as much as I would love to, to be able to do that collaboration after, after getting a bunch of responses that were not, not very easy. I think I want to do it for artistic reasons and not for political reasons. Exactly. Um, Like the collaboration has to make sense artistically and not just sort of forcing something. And yeah. do you think there's some of that is pressure on maybe the Arab population not to do that, to do those collaborations? I don't think it's always necessarily spoken about, but I can really understand and relate to why that could be a difficult thing to do. Yeah. Um, coming from the Arab population, um, yeah, within Israel or, you know, anywhere else. I, I, can, I can really see why. And that is why after trying... Uh, a few times I was uh, like, I didn't want to get to those parts of the list that were a compromise. So that was it. I will say that when I talk to some of the people that put on the big DJ concerts, they say like 30%, yeah. 40% of the audience could be Arabs at some of wow. the shows they put on. So yeah. there's certainly, I mean, I went to see Quavo and I went with a couple Palestinian promoters to see him. I mean, that's, a, I think hip hop shows bring people together. But I'm not necessarily sure exactly, like the Arab hip hop artists and the Jewish hip hop artists are collaborating. But when Quavo comes to perform there, they all go see him perform. Yeah. 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 All right. So we like to wrap up the podcast where I just ask a few questions um, or actually just say a few things. And you guys just tell me the first thing that pops to your mind. It could be a couple sentences, whatever it is. All right. We'll start easy. What is the most influential album We'll start with you, Noga, in your life that you listen to. Um, Let England Shake, PJ Harvey. And Ori? Pimpa Butterfly. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Um, all right, falafel or shawarma, Noga? Falafel for sure. Ori? Shawarma, but I'm vegetarian, but I miss shawarma so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, karaoke or no? 
<laughs> That's such a funny way to ask that. <laughs> or no? Or no karaoke. Are you just I'm I personally I'm I, I don't karaoke, but what, what karaoke, do you yes. You love karaoke. Ori? No, you don't. Why why you say you're not <laughs> I don't karaoke? love karaoke, but you know, if you have to spend the time and not do it or yes do it, then yes do it. Okay. Ori? No. Someone says, I'm, we're going to karaoke tonight. Your answer is what? No way. <laughs> All right, last one. Who wins in an arm wrestling match between the two of you? Okay, uh, can I answer like a more complex answer? Give it to me. So when it comes to hand, I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I'm very strong. Like, yeah. I'm really, really strong. But when it comes to my hands, like no matter how, how many push-ups I would do, I, they just stay weak and and skinny <laughs> so but everything else i i can kick his ass no Ori. no but i wanted to say the opposite <laughs> i look i look like a skinny musician who doesn't do anything but all pale sitting inside no yeah, exercise yeah surprisingly i i don't really uh, do a lot of exercise but i'm i'm really strong <laughs> like I don't know how, maybe it's the like jeans or something, but I, I win a lot of people, a lot of uh, big, big guys that, that want to take me and I, I win them also. So, so don't come to a story. When, when the people yeah. step up, don't step up to Ori. Yeah. Um, anyhow, thank you guys so much. Once again, uh, yeah. thank everybody for listening. This is uh, the Creative Community Podcast. Please leave a review and a rating. Thank you guys for having us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for having us.